operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. We are back and better than ever. The Comic Revolution Podcast. As always, I am Rock. By my side, the Douglas Fairbanks to my Mary Pickford, Stephen. <laughs> uh, starting off 2020 with that kind of reference. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I thought you would. All right, Stephen. It's, it's been a while. We took uh, some time off there. Yes, we did. Uh, so this will officially be the first episode of season two of the Comic Book Revolution podcast, Even <laughs> This is the first episode of season two. We took some time off. Look, you know, here's the deal. I got two kids, mm-hmm. and Steven's smart enough not to have any yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep that going, Steven. <laughs> and you've got Halloween. You've got Thanksgiving, which I go down to Miami to see the family. And then you've got Christmas, New Year's. It's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot going on. So we took some time off, but we are back. We're going to be hitting it uh, better than ever. Uh, we're going to shake things up. We're going to tweak things a little bit for the podcast going forward, try to make things even better than before. There you go. So a few surprises in store for everyone. <laughs> As always, you can check us out online at www.comicbookrevolution.com for the news, reviews, commentary, and whatever concerning the world of comic books, movies, streaming TV shows, whatever else catches our eye pretty much, Stephen. As we speak, Kevin, of course, Posting Fast and Furious reviews. Yes. He's, uh, he's dropped a couple this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, some pretty good ones, too, by the way. He's uh, dropped one for, I believe he did X-Men uh, number four, yes. I want to say. Mm-hmm. He reviewed that and gives it high marks. No surprise um, there. Yeah, no surprise. Right, right. Um, also, he reviewed the latest issue, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Stephen's, uh, Stephen, Kevin's always throwing something up on the website. He is. That's what we love about him. Yep. And he, and he finally put the last piece of our, our collaborative project. Yes, yes the best but. of... Of the decade. Indeed. Those were very popular articles, Stephen. They did yeah. very well. They did really well. Um, of course, you can also check us out on Facebook at the Comic Book Revolution Facebook page. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at The Comic Revolution. You can follow uh, us on Twitter at CB Revolution. You can follow me on Twitter at Rock2Ks Revolution. You can follow me on Instagram as well, Rock2Ks Revolution. And you, Stephen. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at President Glover. Nice. nice. All right, my friend. Uh, before we hop into the comics, now we have a nice selection of comics. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, there was one thing that came across the news I really felt like, oh Stephen, we had to talk about. Okay. I know we, we not normally try to keep news podcasts separate from comic reviews podcasts. Yeah. At least going forward, we will try to do so. But this, Stephen, is so important. So earth-shatteringly important. Mm-hmm. As in change your life important. Oh, okay. So we've Steven, had a lot of that in the yes. past couple of weeks. So, so Stephen, <laughs> at Epcot, yes, uh, <laughs> like what the hell? Uh, World Showcase, right? That's the part of Epcot that has all the different uh, countries. Yes, the United States Pavilion, the mm-hmm. America Pavilion. I guess the United States Pavilion. It has always been the most boring as far as cuisine is <laughs> concerned. There's some great restaurants <laughs> at Epcot. So I mean, some incredible restaurants. You can eat. You can eat and drink your way around the world. Yeah, at World Showcase. 
it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You feast on really some phenomenal food. Some of the chefs they have there are incredible. The cuisine is amazing. The drinks fantastic. Yeah, but the American Pavilion, quite frankly, sucks. <laughs> As far as the food's concerned, it's <laughs> it's like burgers and fries, and they're not even that good. And it's just like, really? Really? This mm. Disney, this is what you think America has the best to offer. I've always I've always believed that it should be barbecue. Yeah, barbecue. That's, what we, that's, what, that's America. Yeah. And we do it better than anyone else, in oh, my yeah. humble opinion. So they've announced they shut down that restaurant. They're yeah. renovating it, making it a barbecue restaurant. Yes. And then I said, well, you know, it needs to be themed. Mm-hmm. And then there was a character I thought would be perfect for that restaurant mm-hmm. to theme it around. But I figured Disney wouldn't do it. Then they released the name of the restaurant. Yes. The Regal Eagle. Not the Regal Beagle where Jack Tripper hanged out, hung out during uh, Three's Company, mm-hmm. but the Regal Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect a Douglas Fairbanks reference. Yep. Uh, you didn't expect a Three's Company reference today, nope. did you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> but the Regal Eagle and Steven. At this point, I was like, oh, oh come on. Yeah. I how this isn't Sam the Eagle. Well, is beyond me. The Muppets, you know, Disney bought the Muppets and they've done a few things at the parks with them, but unfortunately, haven't done a lot with them. Yeah. And not as much as I would like them. I would like to see. I think they're a perfect match for so many things at the parks. Yes. They put them in into uh Frontierland. They put this cool Muppet show and it's not like <laughs> a go inside to a show building kind of thing. It, you're just yeah. walking in the streets of 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 uh, Liberty Square, sorry, mm-hmm. walking the streets of Liberty Square, and at certain times in the day, the Muppets will come out of the windows of the buildings <laughs> and will basically reenact like you know the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, oh it my is, gosh. and it's it's so funny. It is so funny. It is it, unfortunately they took it away recently, which I'm like, come on. So I felt not that confident, Stephen, because the Muppets just haven't gotten a lot of love by Disney yeah. at the parks. Which blows my mind away. But they did reveal, in fact, yes, this week, Sam the Eagle. There you go. Sam the Eagle. This restaurant will be all about Sam the Eagle. It's a great <laughs> character. And, the, and, and as far as I'm concerned, the more Muppets, the better. Yes. That's, I just More Muppets, um, the better. Mm-hmm. I 100% so. agree. There you go. That's my exciting news for you, Steve. There we go. Okay. Yeah, that, that's good news. That's it, right? That's Come bright. On. That's a bright spot. It is. Yeah. The more Muppets, the better. I was going to ask if the <laughs> if the Australia restaurant is on fire, but I felt that would be inappropriate. <laughs> oh no, no. All right. Wow. Well, on that note, Stephen, let's take a look uh, at the comics we have from DC. We have Flash number eighty five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justice League Dark number 18, yes. Red Hood Outlaw number 41. Mm-hmm. And then we hop over to the House of the Mouse, and we have Marauders number five, mm-hmm. Tarot number one, Thor number one, mm-hmm. Hawkeye number one, Star Wars number one, and oh my god, Rock is passed out in just like comic book nirvana because you know I can't resist a number one issue. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, oh lord, are you serious? So many number ones. Yes. Anyhow, let's start since we have so many number ones, Stephen. Let's just save those for the end of the podcast. You didn't tell me to read Hawkeye. Oh, Stephen. That's okay. We'll still discuss it. Okay. Um, Exciting. Yes. Um, Justice League Dark number 18, mm-hmm. Stephen. This issue brought to us by James Tinian the fourth doing the words. Uh, the pencils by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. His last name is Good. How awesome is that? Mr. Yeah. Good. That's a great <laughs> name. Inks by Raul Fernandez. Colors by Brad Anderson. And in Justice League Dark number 18, we begin in the collective unconscious where the demon uh, from, I don't know where he's from exactly. 
he, I don't know if he's like a dark universe kind of demon or something, or if he's just some type of from some alternate hellish reality. <laughs> don't really know where he's from, yeah. and I've been reading this this title on and off, mm-hmm. so I'm not. Um, I, I kind of dip back into this issue because of everything that's going on with, uh, you know, Snyder's right massive Doom versus Justice mm-hmm. storyline. So anyhow, this this demon has Wonder Woman captured. And the demon has also given Cersei Wonder Woman's body. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. But he's learned the art of deception from humans, and he loves it so much that he's now ready to double-cross Cersei if woman, <laughs> Wonder Woman can make him a good enough offer. Yes. Well, we cut to the Hall of Justice, where we see Solomon Grundy is trying to break into the hall while Cersei and Clarion watch. Cersei then calls for a massive dragon, mm-hmm. summons this massive dragon called Dracul Carfang. Such a cool name. That's a great name. <laughs> Cersei offers the dragon Wonder Woman her body to feast upon. Mm-hmm. If the dragon will attack the hall, the dragon agrees and attacks the hall inside the Hall of Justice even. We see Zatanna, Dr. Fate, the uh, OG Dr. Fate. Yes. The new 52 Dr. Fate mm-hmm. and John Constantine. Zatanna asks if Constantine has a plan. He says he does. His plan is to use the artifacts in the Justice League's armory against the dragon and Cersei. Zatanna holds a crystal in her hand uh, mm-hmm. that has Eclipso inside of it, and Eclipso's begging for Zatanna to set him free. Now, we know that Cersei wants that crystal. She wants the power of Eclipso mm-hmm. for herself. Yes. We hop back to Wonder Woman agreeing to to uh, fix the this demon and make him whole, that he's, a, you know, he's, he's, he's broken, evidently, mm-hmm. and that if she fails, she'll not stand in his way of eating the world. What kind of deal is that, Steve? What, uh, would we make that kind of deal? Really? Like, look, I'm going to make you better, but if I can't, I won't stop you eating the world. Like, I don't think that's a promise Wonder Woman would make. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. The well. dark creature agrees to give Wonder Woman back her body. He likes the deal. Mm-hmm. So we then see, uh, th- this kind of seemed random to me, because all of a sudden we see that Witchfire is also in this scene, too. Yes. We hadn't seen her before, and I get it. She may have, You may have seen her in the prior issue, but for yes. people who are hopping onto the title, you might want to give a little more context as to who's on the scene when you first uh, visit the mm-hmm. collective unconscious in the first page, yes. right? Maybe you see Witchfire in the background or something. So just so new readers know who all the players in this, because otherwise it seems like she comes out of nowhere. Yes. And anyhow, the the, the demon then uh, grabs a Witchfire and uh, takes a big chomp out of her neck. Mm-hmm. This all seemed very sudden to me. Yes. Very random, but mm-hmm. okay. Wonder Woman says this was not part of the deal, and the demon goes, well, it was not not I'm part of the deal yeah. either. <laughs> We then hop back to the Hall of Justice. The dragon has broken through the Hall's defenses, and we now see the new 52 Doctor Fate holding the helmet of Naboo and saying it is time to show everyone the magic of a new fate. Oh, Stephen, we already saw that magic, and it wasn't good, (laughs) and it didn't sell well. And that's the end of the issue. Mm -hmm. Stephen? Yes. Just League Dark number 18, how did it grab you? Well, um, like you, I have kind of been out of some of these titles for a little while. And so I came into it um, a little uh, perplexed, to say the least. <laughs> there was, um, it seems that there's been a lot going on that yes. I wasn't aware of. But um, as far as just following it along, as the events of this issue, I think it's fairly simple. You know, Wonder Woman's trapped. She makes a deal yeah. to get out. Oh, They're yeah, trying yeah. to get into the Hall of Justice. They <clears> have a plan. You, doesn't take you long to get your bearings. Yes. 
and that's which is good. I also think that, well, I was I kind of want to go back because obviously there's more members that are not there. Swamp Thing's not there. Right. Detective Chimp is just a chimp now. Right. And Man Bat is completely passed out for some reason. And I'm like, okay, well, I wonder what happened with that. Right. But um. I mean, it's it's got a lot of stuff that I like. I think the art's really good, um, especially with the dragon, like the big... Yeah, he does look the, great. The big... I think there's two full-page splash yes. shots of the dragon, just yeah. to make sure you know this is a big dragon. It's a big dragon. <laughs> it's a giant dragon. <laughs> and um, I thought the action they had was was pretty cool. There wasn't yep. a whole lot. No. But what it was was really cool. Yep. Like when they finally break in, um, Dr. Fate like slams Cersei and Clarion mm-hmm. into the wall or whatnot. And well, there that, wasn't a lot of action, but there's definitely a good sense of dread and, and anxiousness. Exactly. To the whole story. Yeah. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, they had the, the, they had some of that weird stuff like with Witchfire, which when I first saw her, I was like, but where'd you wow, go? okay. It's that's that's you. <laughs> that is Witchfire. Yeah. And I always I mean for the most part, whenever Eclipso is brought up, I I like Eclipso. I think it's a cool character yes. when used yes. properly. Would not uh not taking over Gene Loring? Mm, no, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but you I've know, seen that. we don't need to do that Yeah, again. we don't need to do this again. <laughs> But um, that bitch, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I will never forget. People, it's no longer on the internet. And I wish it was. I I wish I'd archived it. Yeah, there was an awesome blog, Stephen, back when there were like blogs, like yes. blogger blogs back in the day, <laughs> right? Back when, um, back when, uh, uh identity crisis mm-hmm. took place. That's right. And it was called Ear in the Fireplace, and it was a blog, um. Written in this took place. I'm sorry, I, I apologize. This took place right after Identity Crisis. Took place very, I mean, right with the very first week of new of the of sorry of, of 52. the 52, not the new 52, of the but old of 52. 52 <laughs> that that awesome year long series. Yeah. It was a year. It was an ear in the fireplace, and this blog made posted regularly, riffing off of the because 52 is weekly. Yeah, the weekly issue of 52, <laughs> and it was told from the viewpoint of. Elongated man. <laughs> and of course, you know, he dies through, you know, at some point in 52, yes. a little bit after the midway point. Mm-hmm. He dies, so the rest of the posts are like from his ghost or from <laughs> his therapist who took over for him. And so, but it's hilarious because you had recurring characters like, you know, uh, Ralph Dibney's therapist and, and, and some, some other characters would yeah. appear. And of course, <laughs> and he would always refer to Gene Loring as Gene Loring, that bitch Gene Loring. <laughs> That bitch Gene Loring, because you know Gene Loring killed his wife, and so yeah. <laughs> so every time, every time I see Gene Loring's character or Eclipse's character, I just think that bitch Gene Loring. <laughs> I'm sorry, this totally went off the off the reservation here, didn't we, Stephen? I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> but going to what you were saying, as far yes. as being dropped in the middle of the story, I really wish DC would use the one page recap yeah. at the beginning of the issues. Why don't they do that? It is such a smart move. Yes, it, it is. Marvel's been doing it forever, mm-hmm. and it re- I, I hate to say it, it really makes their comics so much more new reader friendly. Yes. It really does. I can oh. I can dip out of a title with Marvel. Mm-hmm. When we're doing reviews, you know, I may dip out of a title for uh, uh, one, two, three months, hop yeah. back in, recap page, I'm back up to speed again. Mm-hmm. It, it makes a huge difference. It yeah. costs you one page. It is well worth the sacrifice of one page, mm-hmm. I think. I agree. And this is an issue that would have... Greatly benefited from it. Yes. And you really want to make these issues new reader friendly. You want to make it so readers can hop in. Yeah. At, at, readers aren't just 
they're not only ever going to pick up a, an issue because it's the first issue of a new story arc, and they might not even know that it is. Yeah. You need to understand that every comic might be somebody's first comic. Mm-hmm. And make it easier for them. And I felt like this issue definitely is not easy for a new reader to hop into. And that's unfortunate. DC really needs to make, as much as they can, these these issues very accessible yeah. to new readers, to people hopping aboard, to get them encouraged to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have the... Um... I mean, there's there's some places maybe where like where she says, "Oh, well, you were part of," or Wonder Woman says, "Oh, well, you were part of Hecate." And at the beginning of the universe, when you broke off, you were abandoned in the universe. That's something that's She's been covered to in the, the past. Guy. Yeah, and um, and stuff like that. But it, it, well, we'll talk about it in a later issue. But sometimes when <laughs> a character stops to say, you know, basically like recap, right? You know. Uh, that helps a lot. It sure like, does. Uh, my favorite, my best example that I can always think of is Busey's Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like every issue at some point would reference something in a way that felt like natural. That yes. way, if you just picked it up, you were not lost as right. to what was going on. And for something like this, where obviously a lot has happened and it's kind of complicated, you definitely need some mm-hmm. sort of a recap in some fashion. Yeah. Or else you're going to be lost, like me. Yeah. <laughs> I found this issue to be a bit messy in how it was constructed. Yeah. And I thought there was... I thought I fell victim to lots of shouting. Yes. Shouting and yelling going on. <laughs> but nothing of real substance ever happened. Yeah. I feel like we kind of... I feel like we ended the issue right where we started the issue, mm-hmm. for the most part. I know it, it did move forward a little bit. But it seemed like just lots of yelling and screaming and shouting and not much really going on. Yeah. You know? And I didn't think the character work was particularly good. I don't mm. feel like anybody really displays much of a personality. I didn't think the dialogue was anything particularly spectacular. It was just average. It was okay. But, it, you know, for a team title, you didn't get a lot of, like, good character moments. You didn't get a lot of, you didn't get the vibe that this, you know, got a lot of team chemistry. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. didn't, everybody seemed kind of flat to me as far as, it wasn't bad. just wasn't good. It just didn't. Yeah, stand out one with the other to me. It's kind of middle of the road, very, very middle of the road, I guess. Yeah, the well, the only interaction that I liked was the uh, was the demon talking about how he he loved humans because of yes. the deception, and he's just like you, you people are so great. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, this, is, this is creepy, but it's it's how you're supposed to feel, right? And just looking at him is right. like, Ugh. So. exactly. Uh, what do you think about them trying to DC trying to once again serve up the New Fifty Two Doctor Fate to us? After him crashing and burning miserably. Um, who wrote that title? Uh, Paul Levitz. Oh, I know that pained me to say that. Because <laughs> I love me some Paul Levitz. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I'd, I'd forgotten that that's who that was. <laughs> I was I, like, oh, I this, kinda, this, this random character. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I just think the, the further DC can distance itself from the New 52, probably the better. Yeah, you know? I would agree. And it's not like this was a breakout hit for DC. You know, it's like <laughs> that character, yeah, I don't know. It kind of reminds me, you know, those who, if you first don't succeed, keep trying yeah, the keep same trying. feeling formula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but well, we'll see. I did like the artwork, though. I'm yeah. with you. The artwork was pretty cool. It was a nice looking issue, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you grade out Just League Dark number 18? Um, I will give, I'll give the writing a five. Yeah, okay. middle of the road. Yeah. Um, and I will give the art. I'll give the art a seven. Mm-hmm. I did like it. Yeah, Very me good. too. Yes. Me too. Actually, I'm, I'm 
I'm going to do, I'll give the writing, I'm going to give Five Night Girls out of 10 as well. It's mm-hmm. just right down the middle for me. And the artwork, I'll give it a, a, a shade higher than you. I'll go eight yeah. Night Girls out of 10, but, but largely in line with what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, don't know if I'd hop aboard, the, if I'd hardly recommend people hop <laughs> aboard this title unless you just really, really love supernatural titles. Yeah. You know, if you're I mean, a huge fan of supernatural titles, yeah, sure, get yeah. it. But for everyone else, you don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was one that I stuck with for a while because I did like it. It's just I fell off, unfortunately, and then yeah. that was a mistake. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, my friend. The Flash number 85, mm-hmm. this issue brought to us the words by Joshua Williamson, the art by Christian, I'm going to guess it's, I want to say Duce, but I know it's not that. It's probably Deuce, D-U-C-E. I apologize, Christian, if I have killed your name. Colors, <laughs> Luis Guerrero. Uh, Stephen, this one we begin with Heat Wave and Weather Wizard trying to help New 52 Wally and Avery learn how to use their powers with their inhibitor collars on them. You know, as mm-hmm. Speed Force has gone out of whack, the Flash's yep. powers have all gone out of whack as well. And in particular, they've gotten like supercharged, evidently, yes. uh, it's to the point where they can't control them at all. Mm-hmm. That they might explode. Correct. Yes. Their flash powers are out of control, and they're not succeeding in figuring out how to control them with the help of the rogues. Mm -hmm. We cut to Barry Allen trying to learn to control his powers. He's not having any success either. Golden Glider is there trying to help Barry along Mm -hmm. in this endeavor. The two talk about how King Cold, thanks to to Lex Luthor and his Mm -hmm. big villains, uh, United, take over the world plan for... (laughs) Uh, Doom, the, in the Doom versus Justice War, mm-hmm. uh, King Cold has taken over Central City. And Glider talks about how the rogues have never had normal lives, but they at least had each other and they were a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, now things are just a little too too, too crazy, yes. even for the rogues. Golden Glider <laughs> then says she's going to teach Barry how to skate there, because everything's frozen, because King Cold again has taken over everything, so it's all mm-hmm. frozen. Glider coaches Barry on how to stop worrying about his speed and just focus on the feeling under his feet. And suddenly, this coaching from Glider has allowed Barry to able to control his speed powers. Mm-hmm. And he's zipping along, no problems. He's like, I got it. So Barry, at least, has seemed to have figured out how to control the speed powers, whereas mm-hmm. New 52 Wally and Avery, not so much. Yes. We cut to the rogues and Barry and New 52 Wally and Avery all meeting together. They found the location of Mirror Master, who was still sided with with. King Cold mm-hmm. against the other rogues. Uh, Mirror Master is at Star Labs. They all race off to Star Labs. It has been turned into a hall of mirrors. Suddenly we see Mirror Master appear on the scene and attack the rogues and our Flash heroes. Rocking a pretty dope costume. It is pretty dope, isn't it? I like I, it. I did too. It looked good. Yeah. <laughs> it was a nice update of his costume. It was all silvery looking. Yes. Mirror-y. It looked cool. I kind of I want him to keep it. I do too. Yeah. I do too. I think I'd be fine with that. Nothing against the orange and green, no, but, no, no, you know. No. This is a good update. It's a good update, yes. Mirror Master, of course, takes everybody down, mm-hmm. in rather short order, actually. Then yeah. King Cold appears on the scene, who also is looking pretty awesome. Yes. I like his new design. Uh, and <laughs> along with King Cold, he has a massive army of armed men mm-hmm. behind him. Cold says that he heard Barry's powers have increased, but he's not impressed. Cold is angry that the rogues were turned against him. Golden Glider, his sister, mm-hmm. says that the way that Cold looked at the Doom Sigil in the night sky was not right because we had the big Doom Sigil in the night sky yep. due to the Doom Justice War from Justice League. Glider says that Cold did not tell the rogues that Lex was planning on bringing about the end of the world. Small detail. Yeah. <laughs> Barry chimes in that even the rogues think that Cold has taken it too far this time. Cold says that he was speaking to his family, not Wally. Yeah. Well, Barry. I'm sorry, Barry. My, I, I just have Wally West on the brain all yeah. the time. The real Wally West. Yeah. Weather Wizard <laughs> asks if Cold always points guns at his family because mm. the armed men are all got yep. their guns drawn on them. Glider says that Cold is is uh, 
incredibly mad at them and that this is not like him at all. And Glider pleads that they can go back to how it was before. And Cold yells at her, what, back when we were losers? <laughs> Cold then lets out a massive cold burst and freezes everybody on the scene mm. except for Barry Allen. That was pretty cool. Yes. Cole then takes his top off and shows that he now has superpowers thanks to whatever Lex Luthor Gidget gadgets he's got attached mm-hmm. to him. Cole says that Barry's not the only one who is supercharged now. Yep. And the two men then rush toward each other, you know, like at the end of like an anime, rush toward <laughs> each other to begin a massive brawl. And we end the issue right there. Yep. And it was pretty cool. Yes. That's a good way, that's a good way to end the issue. Steven, Flash85, what'd you think? Um, well, this was another one that I had unfortunately fallen off of, uh, not because of any dislike. I love Williamson's Flash all it's the way from stuff. the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so I was very surprised First of all, where they were going with it, I did not know that they were really tying in the Justice Doom War to uh, everything. So when yeah, I saw yeah. the the sigil, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Mm-hmm. And um, and this is the this is an issue where this has enough explanatory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. dialogue yeah, that yeah, yeah. that I was never lost. No, I no. was a little thrown at the beginning. I was like, okay, so they're fighting. That's like, right. wait, now they're training them. It's like right. that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that dynamic was actually really cool mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I mean, it's something we haven't seen much of. I don't think ever, at least for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. So seeing them all having to work together, I liked all their redesigns. Yes. Um, I liked the moment with. Um, um, Barry and the Golden Glider. I thought that was a really cool, mm-hmm. cool scene. Mm-hmm. It was very kind of Jedi like. Just let it go. Oh yeah, totally. Just totally. feel the way you right. know. And uh, <laughs> indeed, feel and the I like that. It, yeah, feel the force. <laughs> and I like the that still, of course, because it's him. It's like you know, I'm going to have to arrest you when this is over. <laughs> and <laughs> that good. that just did not play. And like I felt kind of bad for because she Golden looked like Glider did not like that. No, she She's looked like, We're having of, a moment. Yeah. She looked kind of hurt. I was like, oh. I, know. I thought we were friends. Yeah. And just, I mean, yeah, I, I was, just thought it was really cool. The whole thing was like, wow. Like, that shows like a lot of imagination, a mm-hmm. lot of creativity, mm-hmm. a lot of good character work, mm-hmm. I thought. And a lot of cool use of power because Definitely. the way the Mirror Master took everybody out. Yeah. Like, you know, you think of him as such a joke. Right. And they kind of set him up as like, you don't know. Yeah his like what how what he's capable of yes yeah. and then you see it like that yeah. it's like god man that's so cool it's really well done yes joshua Williamson is just a master storyteller mm-hmm. he's so good at storytelling I know it seems weird to say when you're reading comics but there are some people that are just true storytellers yes they get how you unveil everything mm-hmm. how you put all the pieces together and for this issue for me it all it how williamson has been since the start i mean it just begins with Awesome character work. Mm-hmm. It's just so well done. Everyone's got a well-developed personality. Yep. The chemistry between all the characters, between all the rogues is fantastic. Between the Flash family is great. Between the rogues and the Flash family yep. is fantastic. Like you said, Glider and Barry, really good scene together. Mm-hmm. Just the chemistry is awesome. Even the chemistry between antagonists like Cold and Barry mm-hmm. is great. Like it's just he does such a good Williamson does such a good job with character development. And their personality and the dialogue, mm-hmm. it's just, it sucks you in. It's, it's, that forms the foundation for the story. And then mm-hmm. he sprinkles in all the cool action scenes. Yes. And the creative use of all the powers, <laughs> like you said. Really creative use of powers. And making the story just fun and yeah. exciting. And I thought it was a really well-paced yep. 
comic. It slowed down at the right moments to to give you some of the character work between Barry and Glider, mm-hmm. right? To give you more of an insight into the rogues and why they're split from cold. Mm-hmm. And then it knows how to ramp up the speed for some of the more act from the cool action scenes, like between you know Mirror Master and them, and when mm-hmm. Cole gets on the scene. It, it's just he knows how to properly pace the story. It's super well plotted, and that's been another massive strength yeah. of Joshua Williamson during his entire run. The dude is just an awesome plotter. He can juggle lots of storylines. He can juggle, you know, like short-term storyline, mid-term storyline, mm-hmm. long-term storyline. I mean, he's really good at juggling lots of pieces to yep. create a more, you know, long-range, complex <laughs> story. He's so good at the plotting, and he always knows he's always driving forward. He's always got a purpose to everything he does. Yep. You know, he I'm never sure. gets lost in the weeds, which is really impressive. Yes. Given... <laughs> Given you know how Long many issue. characters he's dealing yeah. with and all the big concepts that he's dealing with with the Speed Force and and even tying it into Snyder's Doom versus Justice storyline, yeah, which is a feat in and of itself. I Absolutely, think, and to and to make it all relatively, I'm not saying it's a hundred percent new reader friendly. I'm not going to oh, lie, sure. but it's you could pick this issue up and mm-hmm. not be that lost at all. Williamson yeah. does all he can to make sure you know what's going on. Yes. Even if you're a newer reader, which is what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he succeeds <laughs> where Just League Dark didn't. Yes. But it's just a, it's just such a fun title. And I don't know. I, I, just, I st- so strongly recommend Flash. People have got to hop aboard this yeah. title. If you like super comics, I don't know why you wouldn't like mm-hmm. Flash. Really. It's right. got it all for the, for for this genre. It's mm-hmm. got it all, and for to be eighty five issues and still this good. It's incredible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Artwork was great too. I like the artwork a lot. Oh it yeah, fantastic. Like you said, Absolutely. you know what character design I also liked. You mentioned we mentioned Cold and um, um, Mirror, Master. Mirror Master. I love the character design for Weather Wizard. Yes, he looks so badass. And another, mm-hmm. another character that always looked dorky. Yeah, he looks badass. I was now. saying because I didn't recognize him at first. I was like, is this some new character? Yeah. And then they totally said, well, it's cool, like. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. it's like I I don't want him to go back to that old costume. I, I agree. want him to he stick stick with this one. He looks kind of like an alien or something, yeah. but a cool one. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it. All right, man. How do you grade out the Flash eighty five? Um, I will give the I will give both the writing and the art straight eights. I'm yeah continually impressed. Uh, so it's that. hard to to think. I had to take time off to come up with more positive adjectives because right. I run out. Right, right. No, I agree. <laughs> and I'm, I'm in. God, once again, I'm pretty much lockstep with you. I'm gonna go yeah. straight eight night girls out of ten for the writing and the art. It's just thumbs up. Buy this. It's worth your money. Yeah. All right, Steve. Go buy the whole thing from yeah. the beginning. Oh yeah, for sure. Go back and get the trades. It's worth yes. it. Uh, the last title from DC, Stephen, was Red Hood Outlaw number forty-one. It's a title that you and I have enjoyed quite a bit in the past. Yes. Shockingly enough, since neither of us are Scott Liddell fans, <laughs> but we still like this title. It's it's cool. That's correct. The uh, obviously the writer Scott Liddell. The mm-hmm. art is David Messina. The colors Rex Locus. Mm-hmm. And in this issue, Stephen, we begin with a flashback scene to Jason and Artemis kissing. We then go to another flashback scene of Roy Harper and Jason hanging out on the beach. Mm-hmm. Jason is thinking about Artemis. Roy comments about how Jason has it bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Uh, Roy mentions how nobody is promised a tomorrow and that they have to take every opportunity that they have to let people know how they care about them. Jason, of course, plays it all off with his usual kind of sarcastic humor. Mm-hmm. And Roy comments that Jason's going to miss him when he's gone. Oh, Stephen, that scene was just like, oh, got me right yeah. there. Got me right in the heartstrings. Oh. Mm. Anyhow, we cut to the present day at The Block, which is a research facility located in the center of the Earth. Mm-hmm. We see Red Hood has been knocked out. 
Cloud Nine is next to him trying to wake him up, and we see that who has knocked him out? None other than his old teammates, Bizarro and Artemis. Yes. They're on the scene, and by the way, Bizarro, I love his character design. Yes. He just looks great, doesn't he? Yes, he does. The beard's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Cloud Nine uses her powers to turn herself into a tornado and takes down Bizarro and Artemis. We then cut to Vessel, who is he's a small child. These are all clones, like Lex Luthor-like clone mm-hmm. children, yeah. in case you didn't know, um, who are housed at the block. Vessel is one of them. We cut to Vessel, who is using dead man's powers to control Bizarre and Artemis. Got that? Little, little, little complex, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes, I know. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. We cut to Mom reuniting with Babe in Arms. Yeah. We, <laughs> the characters, they're fantastic. We hop to Cloud Nine and Red Hood. Red Hood's now back awake, mm-hmm. and they're hiding from Bizarre and Artemis. Bizarro finds our heroes, and we get ready for yet another fight. And Cloud Nine at this point tells Red Hood, I'm already spent for my tornado attack, so sorry. <laughs> then says his friends are being mind-controlled. And then suddenly, another one of the kids in armor from all these little Lex clones, he appears and uh, attacks Bizarro. Mm-hmm. Artemis then attacks Red Hood. And Red Hood, to try to break her out of her mind control, Stephen, pulls her close and plants a big old sloppy wet kiss on her. <laughs> and what happens? Artemis freaks out and says, that was gross. That was so gross. And then Artemis says, to hell with them. Well, we now know that that's, the, that's Vessel talking yes. through Artemis. Mm-hmm. And Red Hood's like, ha-ha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre and Artemis then both go limp because Vessel's let go of them because mm-hmm. he's grossed out. And then Bizarre and Artemis regain their senses, and they're no longer in any mind control. Cloud Knight at this point uses her powers to track down the person who is controlling Bizarre and Artemis. Mm-hmm. Our heroes arrive in a lab. There's Vessel. Uh, we learn that, of course, Vessel was... The first of Lex's creations, who was sent to the block for training, mm-hmm. Red Hood and Dr. Veritas, Dr. Veritas, who runs the block mm-hmm. and handles all these kids, uh, Red Hood and Dr. Veritas had deemed Vessel as uncontrollable back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, Vessel has become really evil and wanted to build a huge bomb to hold the entire world hostage, but now his plan has failed. The heroes have defeated him. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Uh However, Vessel tells the heroes to surrender or the, if they ever want to see Dr. Veritas again. But unfortunately, oh no, Vessel, all of his plans are falling apart because yeah. we see Dr. Veritas, Mom, Ma Gun, Babe in Arms, and that tiny Superman <laughs> yep. enter the room. He's adorable. <laughs> Vessel realizes that he's defeated and throws a temper tantrum because yes. he's still a child. Mm-hmm. Red Hood says that the point of the school... Uh, the block, was to help kids like Vessel. Jason says that he is sorry that he and Dr. Veritas did not believe in Vessel. Jason asks if they can all give each other another chance. Nice character growth, Stephen, mm-hmm. about Jason Todd. Yep. Right there, which I thought was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I Dr. Agree. Veritas says that this location is no longer safe for any of them. Tiny Superman says that they're going to have, they're, they're going to love a plan that Ma Gunn has for them. Oh, and what do we do? We cut to everyone at Ma Gunn's home for Wayward Boys, those that don't know. Nope. That is where Jason Todd was sent to when mm-hmm. Batman first rescued him. Yep. He sent him to, to Ma Gunn's home for Wayward Boys, and Jason, it didn't, you know, was refusing to stay there, and then Batman took him under his wing. Yeah. So nice, nice, <laughs> kind of going full circle back to his origin. Yep. I liked it. It was very cool. Jason says that this may not work, but that he gave up, gave up on himself years ago, and he's not going to give up on them, yep. the kids. I really like this, Steven. Mm-hmm. It, it, Scott Liddell, I, damn it, I got to give the guy credit. It just, this, I never thought this day would come that I would be giving credit to Scott Liddell for anything, but I really like his handling of... There are other problems with this issue, don't get me wrong. Sure. But 
Labdell's handling of Jason Todd's character just continues to impress me. He has a great feel for Todd's character, and mm-hmm. he's making Jason Todd a far more compelling, interesting, multifaceted, nuanced character than he's ever been before, mm-hmm. while still being a badass. Oh, yeah. And definitely still be a jerk. Don't get yeah. me wrong. <laughs> but but way more of a compelling character. Yes. With lots of different sides to him. Mm-hmm. Really like that part of what Lobdell's doing with this title. Mm-hmm. How did you like Red Hood Outline Number Forty One? Well, um, I have to admit, I was completely lost. Yeah, most, <laughs> this could have used a recap page most of the time. Yes, this really could. Again, we go right back to DC. Just needs to do recap pages. Yes. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Yeah, recaps and then like the names and their powers. Kind of how Marvel does the uh, like yeah. for all the X titles, they give you little headshots of all the characters mm-hmm. because Hickman's mixing and matching so many characters with every issue. Yeah, exactly. Um, which thank God that he does that. <laughs> hey, 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 amen to that. But um, yeah, so I was a little bit I was lost for a lot of it. Um, I still had fun with it. In its own way, it was more like okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it and just right. take it as it comes yeah, at me. Yeah. And so I'm gonna grab hold of the tidal wave and go for the ride. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but like, um, I mean, I really liked, like you said, I love how he writes Jason Todd. I think he, I didn't think anybody could do a better job than. And this is another person I never thought I'd say this about Judd Winnick when he brought him back. I thought that was great. But I think that Scott Lobdell has really found what makes Jason Todd such a compelling character or what could make him such a compelling character and has really has really done a great job with them. Totally agree. Totally um, agree. I I thought yeah. the character work with Jason Todd mm-hmm. and his dialogue was the best part of this issue. Yeah. For sure. I would agree with that. I once you get past though for honestly Steve, once you get past his handling of Jason Todd's character and the great flashback scene between Jason Todd and Roy Harper. Mm-hmm. Man People say that's one of the few things out of the new 52 that was really cool was Jason yeah. Todd and Roy Harper. They really did a good job with those two characters and their relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. That was really gold. Yeah. Uh, that was a great scene. But putting that aside, the rest of it, though, eh. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a huge It's mess. a huge The issue, to me, Stephen, feels super sloppy. Yep. It feels super rushed. Mm-hmm. Everything feels hurried. You crash from randomly from page to page to scene to scene. It just it feels very hectic, chopped up. Yeah, bad scene transitions. It's just kind <laughs> of a a sloppy mess. The yeah, whole thing. when it finally comes down to well, I've got this bomb. Well, wait. It's like well, Doctor Vertas. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Like yeah, everything gets wrapped up way what? too fast. When they reveal its vessel, that reveal by way, Stephen is out of nowhere. We haven't seen vessel mm-hmm. in four. Ever. You could have at least made him appear a little bit in the yeah. prior issues to kind of set the stage. Or, I don't know. It just <laughs> it just seems like I don't know where. And then it was like, well, and then suddenly it was all of his plans are defeated. Like, yeah, one after one another. After the next, like, and just like one panel at a time. In a series of a couple of panels. And it was just like, what? 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 Yeah. Like, it just seemed so clunky. And the way he just wraps everything up in a matter of just a few panels. Like, yep. what? What just happened here? Yeah. So, yeah, as, as far as the story construction, the plot, and the pacing, that's pretty oh, bad. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That yeah. was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, that's the old Scott Lobdell. Yes, it is. That's not good. No. So, <laughs> for me, that's 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 the downside of the issue. Yeah, I would say so. And I also, I mean, I was happy to see him back, or Jason Todd back with Artemis and Bizarro, I and I thought the moment of 
them getting the hug and me miss you guys. Yeah. I thought that was very, that yeah, was very totally sweet. Agree. And of course I like the ending. I like, yes. I like the idea yes. of Jason Todd as kind of this very strange, like professor X for these yeah. little weirdo <laughs> yeah. kids yeah. and stuff. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully this will just be a, a bump on the way. That's what I'm hoping. That's to getting I'm... to something new and interesting. It's not enough to, to scare me off the title. No, no. Not it's all, been... because I think in general, Lobdell has done more for Jason Todd's character in fleshing out his universe than any other writer. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I would... I would certainly recommend if you like uh, classic superhero action titles, mm-hmm. you need to read this title. If you like, yes. if you like action titles that have... I want to say, Stephen, this isn't really fair, that have kind of a 90s vibe to it. It doesn't have a dated 90s vibe. It just has the core values of what you would get from a a comic book pre-2000. Yes. Maybe that's a better I would, point. I would say that, yes. Because, yeah. I mean, the 90s, it has such a negative connotation it does, to it. It does, it does. And I, this is definitely better than that. Way better. But I definitely, I definitely see the comparison. Yeah. How, so how would you grade it Red Hood Outlaw number 41? Um, I will give the writing I'll give the writing a six because mm-hmm. the stuff with Jason Todd was really good. Okay. Yeah. Um and and I just love how despite being a bad boy, he still writes him as kind of like, yeah, that's one of Batman's kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. cool. But um and the art, oh, I didn't I didn't say much about it. I think it's it's seen it does a fine enough job. It it's, yeah. it, it doesn't get in the way. Yeah. It so. doesn't excite you. No, <laughs> at least to me, at least for me, it, it, it didn't. It didn't really it pop didn't out at you. Yeah, so I'll give that a five. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I will go. I'm going to go just a little bit less than you, I guess, for the story. I'll go five night girls out of ten for the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, five night girls out of ten for the artwork. Okay, all right, that's but, fair. But I'm still, I'm still aboard Red Hood. Yes, definitely. All right, my friend, let's hop over to the house of the mouse, shall we? First up, Stephen, let's do Marauders number five. Sure. This issue is brought to us. The writer is Jerry Duggan. Mm-hmm. The artists are Matteo Loli and Lucas Wernick. The mm-hmm. colors Federico Federico Blee. All right, Steve. All right. We begin this issue uh, with Christian Frost and Iceman stepping out of Frost's submarine. Mm-hmm. Iceman is a Nova class mutant, and he shows off why he is one by using his powers to refreeze the wildfires in the Antarctic. Mm-hmm. They then go back into the submarine and head to Krakoa. Frost asks if Iceman has decided to join his crew. Frost says that Iceman is just staying with Kitty because he is worried that she will be rejected by the resurrection protocols, just like she's being rejected by the Krokane, Kro, the Krokane gateway system. Mm-hmm. Iceman then says, call her Kate. We're going to get back to that, Steve. Yes. We zip over to the Hellfire Bay. We see a meeting of the Hellfire Trading Company. We have Sebastian Shaw, Shinobi Shaw, Christian Frost, Emma Frost, and Kitty Pride all assembled there. Sebastian mm-hmm. Shaw asked the Marauders for a help on a very easy mission, which is basically, quote-unquote, women's work, end quote. Right? Yes. Uh, Emma and Kitty then outvote Shaw and have Shinobi handle the mission instead. <laughs> we cut to Emma and Kitty in the Red Keep having a drink and toasting to women's work. Kitty talks to Emma how she is worried that the resurrection protocol may not work for her and that one day she'll be the only old woman on Krakoa. Emma says that she is afraid of dying and wondering which nose she would return with. 
Mm. Some, you know, when you go for humor, sometimes Stephen, as, as as was attempted in this issue, lots it doesn't often land well. Yeah, the two women hug. Kitty then wonders what would have happened if she picked Emma instead of Professor X. Why in the world would you ever wonder that? And Kitty, pride of all people, who took over the the X Men school and was the headmaster for so long after Professor X. Mm-hmm. What? What? I know. Okay. You're like, take it. it. (laughs) Emma says that she would have ruined Kitty. We then get news. Well, that's true. That is true. (laughs) We then get news that Shinobi's boat, the Upstart, that is actually a good name for his boat, got into a big fight in the Madripoor Bay. The Marauders spring into action. We cut to the Marauders arriving in Madripoor. Bishop and Storm hop aboard the Upstart. Mm -hmm. There they find Shinobi and his. And uh, a bunch of mutants hiding in a cargo hold. Shinobi says that he had to offload the drugs and brought the mutants that they were rescuing aboard Mm -hmm. his vessel to hide them. Suddenly, soldiers wearing the Russian armor that nullifies mutant powers that we saw in a prior issue Mm -hmm. land aboard the upstart. Mm -hmm. Storm shows that she is still deadly without her mutant powers by stabbing one of the soldiers in the eye with a knife. Yeah. It seems a little over the top for that character, but okay. We then see... A vibranium knife, as she's quick to point out. Yes, yes. <laughs> Nothing but the best for Storm. Exactly. We then see Cade Kilgore watching from afar and celebrating mm-hmm. the effectiveness of the Russian suits of armor. We then get an organizational chart mm-hmm. for Hominus Verendi. And that group is composed of the White King, Manuel Anduge, mm-hmm. the White Queen, Wilhelmina Kensington, mm-hmm. the White Bishop, Chen Zhao, and mm-hmm. the White Knight title is currently vacant. Yes. Then we have the Black King, is Cade Kilgore. Mm-hmm. We have the Black Bishop, as Maximilian Frankenstein. There is no Black Queen mm-hmm. at all, period. It's not like it says it's vacant, it's just not there. Yes. And then the Black Knight title is vacant. So I guess the black side of this organization simply is without a queen, because Cade Kilgore don't roll that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut to Kitty on the Marauder's vessel. We see that they are about to get rammed by another ship. Kitty uses her powers to phase the Marauder's vessel through the other ship. Mm-hmm. We then see the Executioner, and remember, he's from the early 90s, so he's capital X dash yep. capital C U T I O N E R. Very extreme. <laughs> oh, God, 90s X Men. <laughs> and Hate monger. What? Exporting the Marauder's <laughs> vessel. End of issue. Oh, so that's who that was. I was hate monger. Like, there, why is there two executioners? <laughs> like, oh wait, no. no now I get it. Just one. Just, just one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely, isn't it? So, Stephen, I, I got, I got to just hop into the here before I get your opinion. Let me just bounce a few things off you. Mm-hmm. Start of the ending. You have the executioner who has a long history of being anti-mutant, pro-human. Got mm-hmm. it. Not really a problem with that at all. It's fine. You're using an older character. It's got to establish history sure. in, in a new way. Yay, thumbs up. I like stuff like that. That's cool. So thumbs up for me. Hate monger. Pro-human, anti-mutant. No, no, no. Hate monger's not even pro-human, bro. <laughs> he doesn't like any human that isn't Aryan. Yeah. He's pro-Aryan, yeah. pro-Aryan. He would never be pro 
human mm-hmm. anti-mutant. Well, he might be anti-mutant, but he sure. would never be pro-human. And Hominus Verde is a pro uh, Hominus, sorry, I apologize. Hominus Verendi is a pro-human group mm-hmm. who has multi, I mean, you've got Hispanic mm-hmm. as a member, you've got Asian as a member. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it is a multicultural, mm-hmm. multi-ethnic pro-human group that hate monger would absolutely never in a million years be a member of because mm-hmm. he is an Aryan nation character has yes. always been that way mm-hmm. since the very first day <laughs> and consistently been that way. Mm-hmm. Jerry Duggan, you know, I, I, the guy who brought us, who who gave us, uh, uh, what was that? Horror, Infinity, uh, Infinity Wars. Yes, <laughs> the worst event to come out of Marvel since forever. The nineties, <laughs> uh, probably, probably ever. Just hideous. I'm going to make that declarative statement. Yes, yes. Yeah, just put ever. it out there in the universe. The worst ever. This is <laughs> so stupid. This is so stupid. And I want to start with the ending, Stephen, because you can apply it to the entire issue, in my opinion. Yes. I think Duggan's writing, it's just dumb. It's just <laughs> dumb. I don't know how else to do it. It's just dumb. It makes no sense. It runs, it runs completely counter yeah. to the established characters, personalities, mm-hmm. and histories. Yeah. It employs jokes that rob characters of their gravitas mm-hmm. and importance. Yes. It robs the scene of its importance or seriousness. It, it's just dumb. The writing is dumb. That's just how I look at it. And I thought that including hate monger and in it was just a symptom of that. The crowning symptom of it, you know. Mm-hmm. For me, the characters just, they're not very good. You take a character like Emma Frost, for example, mm-hmm. who is a wonderful character. Yep. And he just kind of makes her like a bitchy rich housewife. Which nose am I going to come back with, Muffy? Like, <laughs> is this like rich housewives of Orange County? Like, yeah. It, I, I'm not Desperate housewives. This, I was thinking more mean girls myself. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. It just, <laughs> that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Sebastian Shaw, he's. Duggan, I guess, is just deciding that this is how I'm going to get my my you-go-girl dialogue into the story by mm-hmm. making him just seem like this knuckle-dragging misogynist, which reduces what is also an excellent character mm-hmm. who could bring a lot of gravitas to a scene. You don't have to like the character. I'm not saying no, he's a no. good guy. He's a bad guy. Yeah. He's supposed to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But the whole – the potential of the Hellfire Trading Club is to see – you. The Hellfire Trading Club should be the the device, the literary device that now allows Duggan to deliver some phenomenal corporate political power struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, like House of Cards level power struggles. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Between mm-hmm. two incredibly powerful and intelligent and cunning mm-hmm. and ruthless people, Emma Frost versus Sebastian, Sebastian Shaw. Shaw. Mm-hmm. And when you present two in that of that level, of that importance, of that skill, of that imposingness, it creates incredible drama. It creates in- mm-hmm. riveting moments. But if one is delivered as a punchline yeah. for your you-go-girl you moment, and the mm-hmm. other is delivered as always always winning, 
Well, now you've robbed the storyline of any of the drama, Mm -hmm. of any of the conflict, of any of the tension, of any of the juicy house of cards Ugh, or fighting or some history they used to be in the hellfire club together <clears throat> right so you've you've made it so like <laughs> that's all gone yep because shaw is just a he's a punchline mm-hmm. he's a joke you the reader never takes him seriously why would you he's a joke yeah if he was a joke character hickman wouldn't have put him in the position he's at bingo so that you know is unfortunate yeah. kitty pride under duggan has taken a million steps back that character has regressed mm-hmm. to an Embarrassing point. Yeah, it really has. Uh, I, I don't. It, she's not. It might as well not even be Kitty Pride at this point. Mm-hmm. Since when has Kitty Pride had a pirate cosplay fetish <laughs> and been a complete alcoholic? Because that's what she is. She's an alcoholic. Yeah. With a pirate fetish. Mm-hmm. That's what she's become. Yeah. She has no depth to her personality whatsoever. Nope. And she acts in a manner that is completely inconsistent with her entire. 40-year history, however long she's been around. Mm -hmm. And it's not for the better. She's regressed. That character grew so much. Mm -hmm. And taking over Professor X's school and becoming the headmaster of that school, she really became, she blossomed into this intelligent, skillful, capable, mature, inspirational Mm -hmm. figure. And they have just, Duggan has just totally devolved her character. Yeah. Into just a shell of what it was. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I agree. And I guess just the, the I don't know if the you girl, <laughs> you go girl moments was to get me to think her character is better than before. She already had that. She was the headmaster of the school. She was the leader of the X-Men. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, that's about as big of a you go girl moment as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and in this silly, don't call her Kitty, call her Kate. That is such a that is such a superficial, a pathetically superficial way of trying to. Oh, I'm going to mature this character, yeah. dude. You have drastically immatured her character. Mm-hmm. This is a woman who was running Xavier's Institute, mm-hmm. was the leader of the X Men. Yep, she doesn't need to be called Kate. Kate, no, because she is. That's not something who is immature and unconfident in themselves mm-hmm. would say. All right. Yeah. If she at her most powerful. Her most powerful presentation as the leader of the X-Men and the head of the Xavier Institute, mm-hmm. she was fine with being called Kitty because that's her name. Yeah. That's, that's just her name. Mm-hmm. If she was fine with it then, why wouldn't she be fine with it now? She's just a drunk uh, pirate cosplay fetish <laughs> person. So, yeah, yeah that, that's, that, that's, those are my big complaints. Mm-hmm. You, you, what do you got, Stephen? Um, well, I agree with you about... Um, about about Kitty and her character, I I thought it was interesting that she was put in this position. I thought that it would be a nice chance to have her. You know, she's the she's the one going out, um, saving mutants from bad places. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of being like a a leader of like refugees or whatnot. Um, maybe trying to balance like the the good side, the bad side. Like she's like the balance between Shaw and Emma Frost, perhaps. Right. But um yeah we didn't get that. Um I thought I st- I still hate that Iceman, you know, such a good character has been very uh uh queened up. Well, he's a caricature now. Yeah. He's, he's a caricature, let's be honest. He's a complete caricature. He's no longer a character. Yeah, it's like they 
I can't think of anybody I know who's gay who talks like that. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm just going to say well, it's it. it's a stereotype. It's, it is. It's a stereotype, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the stuff with Shaw and Emma Frost is kind of embarrassing, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I mean, Sebastian Shaw is a very smart, intelligent, you know, gra- he had, has gravitas, and Emma Frost is the same. But now he's like a caveman, <laughs> pretty right, much. right. And I just could just see his pile over. Yeah, exactly. And I just <laughs> I just don't get that. Um, the only time I thought it was kind of like okay was um, I know the storm moment was a bit extreme, but I kind of liked it. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> something's happening. This guy in the freaking eye. The hell. And uh, yeah, I like like you know <laughs> the weird Frank Castle. <laughs> And it was a, it was a good reminder of okay, like she and she, like those two characters, Storm and Bishop, are right. more than just their powers. Oh, I thought yeah, that yeah, was yeah. cool. Yeah, they can actually fight. Yeah, without power. right, right. And I also like the scene earlier because um, basically, like, there's a mob coming, and there's a little kid that's going to join them to kill the mutants. And Bishop stops him and says, "Look, I know they're paying, they're offering for money. I'm paying you to go home." Right. And I thought that was a good moment. Yep. Um. And I'll, and you know I like Kitty phasing the ship there because I thought it was just yep. kind of cool. Yep, that was a cool moment. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of is very, very, very mediocre as being generous. I yeah, think. like we're five issues into the title, mm-hmm. Stephen, and what's happened? Beats me. I think the thing with Kitty and the uh, the gates would be very interesting. I feel like it, a different way. Yeah, I feel like we're five issues in and yeah. nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have any direction. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of meandering about on these random missions. But yeah, I don't feel like we're really building anything. No. Yeah. And we're not doing good one-shot stuff either. It's right, just... right. And you're right. Not good one-shots either. Mm-hmm. I agree. And and the story, pretty shallow. Yeah. Not a lot going on as far as plot lines. And boy, it's still just the Kitty Pride show. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to call it the Marauders and yeah. bill it as a team title, mm-hmm. then... It should be a team title yep. with all the characters getting panel time. Mm-hmm. and really real panel time. Real panel time. And, and an emphasis being placed on building team chemistry. Yeah, I agree. And it, has anything that happened? No. <laughs> has, has anything happened that you would expect from a team title? No. I, no. I almost forgot that Storm and Bishop were in the title. Right. I was like, that's... Which I mean, it's random. Like, if you just want, okay. you could have had a Kitty Pride title. Just called it mm-hmm. Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. You could have called it Kitty Pride and the Marauders. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's ways, but you, know, you call it the Marauders. You build it as a team title, but you yep. don't write it as a team title, and it doesn't have any of the hallmarks of a team title or the positives or things you look for in a team title. Mm-hmm. Like right now, Stephen, there are so many great team titles on the market from DC and Marvel. Mm-hmm. Why would you buy this one? Well. I don't. I don't know why they handed such an important piece of what Hickman created to somebody that's <laughs> not as good. As uh, who would, who is this title for? Who would you recommend this title for? That's your challenge. Who would you rec- Who do you think this is for? Because um, I don't even think big, big, like long time, big time Kitty Pride fans would dig it. No, I could be wrong, but I don't think. No, so. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've been in a coma for 10 years and <laughs> someone hands you this comic book, you might like it. Okay. I don't know. All right. Um, 
I don't know. That's, yeah, I have a hard, hard time. Out, yeah, I have a hard time figuring out who I'd recommend the title to. To be honest with you, I yes. really do. Normally, even if I don't like a title, I can figure out who it's targeting. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I may not like Squirrel Girl, but I know who is targeting, and I yeah. know who, I know who I could recommend it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know who would like it. Yeah. yeah, I just don't know who I'd recommend this to. It might just be a bad comic. <laughs> okay, Stephen. On that note, how would you grade out Marauders number five? Um. <laughs> well. <laughs> I want that to be the, the you know, they've little excerpts of reviews on yep. covers of comic books. It just, it just might be a bad comic. A bad comic, <laughs> yeah. Put the dot dot for the, for yes. the pause. Yes. Okay, sorry. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> it, I would give, I'll give the writing a three. I think it's pretty bad. The art, the art is fine. Yeah, the art's nice. I like it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's better than fine. I yeah. do like it. It 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 saves it from being a total miss. Agreed. I guess so. Agreed. I'll give it a seven. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'll go for the the, the writing. I'll go two nickels out of ten, <laughs> and the art. I'll go a, a seven nickels out of ten. All right. All right. Let's tackle uh, Terra number one, shall we? Yeah. The writer is Alan Davis. Yes. Yay. Artist Paul Renaud and colors Paul Mounts. In this issue, Stephen, we begin with Neymar having a flashback of memories of the invaders fighting a Nazi mystic named Occult, O-K-K-U-L-T-E. Yeah. Occult is using the Icor to animate statues, it's some kind of mystical energy, to mm-hmm. animate statues and to make them like golems to attack our heroes. During mm-hmm. the battle, Captain America turns into the Hulk, Stephen, what the hell? Yeah. We cut to the present with the Defenders. <laughs> now, this is important. The present is not present day now. Yeah. The present is 1970s Marvel. Yes. Okay? It is. Because it is. we see the Defenders, the 1970s. 70s defenders. Defenders there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are battling Cyrus Black, who is using the Icor to possess his followers to attack our heroes. Mm-hmm. This is causing Namor to remember the scene that we just saw. Mm-hmm. The Defenders defeat Cyrus Black. Doctor Strange takes control of the Icor, and then Strange realizes mm, there's a small amount of Icor is missing, mm-hmm. and he's tracking. He goes, and it's located elsewhere. And that's what's keeping the Icor attached to their world. And Strange tracks it down and says that location is for the remaining Icor's Avengers Mansion. Uh oh. So the Defenders teleport to Avengers Mansion and see the Avengers again. This is the 1970s Avengers yes. battling Vision. The Avengers say that Vision has gone crazy. The Defenders help in taking down the Vision. And during this battle, Stephen, the Avengers show a cal- rather callous view of the Vision as being just a machine. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. That's a little, little clue there. Yes. Thor then has Hulk and Valkyrie help him rebuild the mansion. Mm-hmm. Namor tells Cap about his memory that we saw in the beginning of the issue. Yeah. They then go to the Avengers computer to search for any information on Occult. Because mm-hmm. Captain Merritt can't remember it at all. Yeah. And, and he says, I would have remembered I, turning into the yeah. Hulk. <laughs> you think, right? Silver Surfer helps Iron Man take Vision to the lab. Mm-hmm. And Surfer then assists as Iron Man begins to conduct tests on the Vision to see what went wrong. Yeah. Then Wanda, Scarlet Witch, takes Doctor Strange to the Avengers storage facility and search for the remaining Icor. Yes. They then run across Diablo. Oh, mm. no. Diablo reveals that he has used the remaining Icor. Not to possess Vision, Steven, mm-hmm. but to possess the five Avengers and then had them take out Vision because the Icor didn't work on Vision because he's a robot. That's right. That's a cool plot twist. Yes. And it was just perfectly played. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes you just like, <laughs> man, just good old-fashioned superhero comic book writing. Mm-hmm. It just works. That's right. For a reason, right? 
So that's a classic plot twist. Really like this. It was a fun moment. You're like, yeah. oh, no. Okay, that's why they're so callous <laughs> to him. We then see Iron Man taking out Silver Surfer from behind. Mm-hmm. We see Thor taking out Valkyrie and Hulk. You know, he's, he's got the drop on him. That's why of he's course. taking them out. Yes. Cap has the drop in, on Namor, takes him out from behind. Mm-hmm. And then Diablo uses his last remaining bit of Icor to possess Doctor Strange. Yep. And then Diablo takes the Icor that Strange had, and Diablo says that the entire world will bend to his will and of the issue. Mm. Stephen, before I get to you, I just wanted to say it brought joy to my heart. For Alan Davis is a classic. He's a gem. Yep. Okay. If you don't like Alan Davis, you just don't like superhero comic books. Mm. I'm going to make that statement, that bold statement. Alan yes. Davis is just great. It brought me so much happiness to see Steve Englehart's yes. Defenders. Mm. For my money, Steve Englehart's Defenders is the best Defenders Steve Gerber, when he came on to Defenders, runs a very close second. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Steve Ger- Steve Englehart and Steve Gerber's Defenders both might be some of my favorite superhero team stories of of, of any superhero team from mm-hmm. any publisher because yeah. they were so – especially Gerber. He was doing st- – he doesn't get enough credit. He was doing things nobody was doing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you can draw a direct line to what Morrison mm-hmm. – and writers like him do, right to Steve Gerber on the Defenders. I mean, right to him. Yeah. Because Gerber's doing stuff that what just simply had, you'd never seen before. It was insane. I remember I loved his elf with a gun. Did you ever hear about him? Yeah. Yeah. Was, I remember reading the comic back in the day going, who is this kid? What the hell's going on? He's just shooting people that laughing and disappearing. And it made no sense. You're like, because it had nothing to do with the story. It would just, you'd be reading the regular Defender story. Yeah. And you get a page of like a couple on a date. And this elf of the gun would appear and shoot them. And then you right back to the Defender story again. And you're like, wait, w- wait, what, what just happened? And he continued doing that. And yeah. the elf with the gun story <laughs> would never be more than like one page. Yeah. And it never had anything to do with the Defender story. <laughs> And you were like, what is Gerber taking? (laughs) Anyhow, it made me super happy to see them. This is my favorite teams, the Mm -hmm. 70s Defenders and the 70s Avengers. Love them too. So this was just like in my wheelhouse. I was like, this is awesome. I love it, love it, love it. That really made me happy. How'd you think of uh, Terror number one? Well, I I didn't know what this was about. I thought this was going to be like some number one title of a new hero probably some romani woman that has nothing to do with anything yes you know for points yes but so when i got into it and i saw well first when i saw alan davis i was like oh wow i didn't know he liked romani characters okay and then i saw you know i looked up and i saw um the invaders i was like all right i think i'm i think i'm in good hands here yes yes um (laughs) i i thought this was actually really good um well, I say that so to sense like, well, really, it was good, but no, <laughs> it was good. I thought that it took me a minute to realize, okay, we're not in the present, right, right, and that um, you know we're going for something a little more old fashioned. But I think I personally think the old fashioned stuff is the best. Yeah. So to get that again was a a, a good surprise. Yes. Um, I love. 
Um, I lo- like you. I love that defenders lineup because mm-hmm. it's such a strange group. You got the Hulk. You've got Silver, Silver Surfer, Surfer. You've got Valkyrie. You've got Doctor Strange and Namor. And Namor. That <laughs> <laughs> is an awesome roster because it's yeah. a what the hell is this roster? But it works. <laughs> yes, and um, I think he does a great well. He does a great job having, you know, like a classic Invaders adventure yes. and then a classic Defenders. Yes. And then what you think is a classic Avengers yes. kind of adventure, too. Yeah. Great um, stuff. Which is fantastic. And I I love the twist. Uh, I mean, I don't think much of Diablo as a character, but I no. like the way that he was used. Yes. He has the goofiest costume. Agreed. But, you know, um, <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. Um, I was a little put off by the th- stuff about the vision. I was like, hey. I just, that's really mean. Yeah. But then once it got to the end, I was like, hi. You got me, uh, Davis. Clever. You got me. Very clever. <laughs> My mouth was open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I'm just, I'm pretty stoked to see where it goes next. Yeah, um, yeah. I, and I love the art. The art is so awesome. good. The art is, I'm not familiar with Paul Renaud at all, but his art is kick ass. Yes. Great stuff. I want to see more of his art. I'd like mm-hmm. to see him get more work. It is a very classic, clean style of art that mates mm. very well with superhero comics. I, oh, I yeah. really liked it. I was blown away by that. And of course, the Davis, I expect a good story. And with Davis, you get a story that is te- the man, with some, some of these older writers that genuinely love superhero comics. Yes. They got the technical chops mm-hmm. to do it the right way. You know that it's going to, the nuts and bolts are done correctly. Yes. The foundation is done correctly. And mm-hmm. this is well-written. It just, it's well-written. It is brilliantly plotted. It is brilliantly plotted. Mm-hmm. The way he progress, the scene transitions are fantastic. Yeah. But the plotting is excellent. The way he progresses from the ni- 1940s invaders to the present 1970s day mm-hmm. with the defenders <laughs> and the Avengers and the plot twist in between right near the end. Mm-hmm. It, but giving you this planting the seeds with how the Avengers are talking about the vision. Yep. That's going to stand out as strange to any reader. And it's interesting because it's weird because it starts with that kind of power being used on an animate object. So I was thinking of that. Me, yes. And not about the right. controlling of the people. Right. So that that was one of the things that threw me. I was like, okay, yeah. so the obviously the vision is possessed, right? Right. And then, you know, dove me for not paying attention. But exactly. <laughs> exactly. It it's just very good giving you some clues, mm-hmm. but not but not being so obvious about it. Yep. You weren't thinking, right. oh, these Avengers are brainwashed. No. no, no, no. But just giving it a little bit of clues. So when you get the plot twist, you go back and go, mm, yeah, yep, there that's it is. Right. You put the pieces together. It's just, it's good, solid mm-hmm. writing. And the stuff with the humor, well, first of all, the humor is not forced, and it's actually it's actually funny. The humor is not forced, you're right. It is it is really well done humor. Mm-hmm. It works with the characters, and it works with the scenes. Yep. And it's, I mean, there were some moments with Hulk where he wouldn't say anything, but you'd yeah. see, like, how he was standing yeah. or looking. Yeah. And, like, somebody who can make that work, you know, is an old pro, because yes. it's... It's so rare to find that these yes. days. Yes, you convey a lot without the words. Exactly. Have the character do this in the background. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's great. <laughs> I, I or just, when he lands, just have him just hold his hand out. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. It's just it it is just really good writing, and it's yeah. just so brilliantly plotted, so brilliantly paced. It, it's just fantastic. Yeah. The action was really good. It's a condensed read. It is. This is you this is you get a full beginning, middle, and end of this issue. Mm-hmm. It is a even though it's it's. 
a single issue in a multi-issue story. This story itself is a nice condensed story. Yep. You get a lot. Davis covers a lot of ground, and yes, it never feels rushed. It's that's masterful storytelling. Yep. It's and it's old school, but it's refreshing. It's it's. It's interesting to write more of an old school story makes you seem a lot more refreshing and uh, a, a lot more different than what is out there. That helps you stand out, and it's a plus. Yep. It's definitely a plus. Um, it's just classic, fun superhero story. That's mm-hmm. who I recommend it to. I would yeah. definitely recommend anybody who likes just if, if you're just a fan of the superhero genre, you just like classic superhero stories. You know, this is for you. You know, if you like your more avant garde superhero comics, you know, then this isn't for you. No. But if you like straightforward, mm-hmm. classic superhero stories, yeah. this is absolutely for you. Yes. For sure. I definitely recommend getting this. You you mm-hmm. get a big bang for your buck with this issue. Yes. I I completely agree. I'm, I hesitate to say straightforward because that kind of carries that, a negative connotation. That does, and I don't mean it that way. But maybe, you know, just a, a very kind of classic. Just a classic superhero classic story. Classic superhero yeah. tale. If you will. And it's worth every penny, I think. Oh, yeah. The issue is worth every penny. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yes. Uh, how would you um, grade out Terra number one? Um, I would give, um, honestly, I was very impressed. Um, I mean, Alan Davis never disappoints. No. At least not that I'm aware of. And don't tell me if he has. <laughs> I, I would I like know to not it. know. <laughs> um, I would give, I'll give the writing a nine and the art a nine. Damn I it, really, 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 Get really, out of my head. really liked it. I'm going straight nines as well. Mm. Nine Night Girls out of ten for the story yes. and the art. Buy, buy, buy this yes. issue. Buy it. Absolutely. All right, Steven. <clears throat> Next up, let's check out another number one title. Let's do, oh, I don't know, maybe Thor number one. Yeah, let's do it. This issue, the words by Donnie Cates, the mm-hmm. art by Nick Klein, the colors by Matthew Wilson. Mm-hmm. And this issue, we begin with Thor throwing his hammer across all ten realms. <laughs> Of uh, Midgard, I mean of of of, of, uh, of Asgard of Asgard. Yes, across all ten realms of Asgard, uh, Mjolnir, 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 Mjolnir. What? Mjolnir. I will never get that name right. Mjolnir, Mjolnir. <laughs> My mouth doesn't make those kind of sounds, Liam. No. Uh, Mjolnir brings a message to. All of Asgard's foes to not cross the new king of Asgard mm-hmm. that war is over. The message to Asgard's allies is that peace shall spread across the realms. Mm-hmm. And they should celebrate. Yeah. Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Then enters Earth and smashes a giant creature right in the face who is battling the Avengers. So cool. It was beautiful. <laughs> Mjolnir then lands on the ground and Tony Stark looks at it and goes, does anybody have a Sharpie? <laughs> Back in Asgard, we see Thor with Sif. Sif is now the Garden of the Rainbow Bridge in the Bifrost. Mm-hmm. Thor asks if Sif saw his awesome throw. <laughs> Thor holds out his hand and Mjolnir returns to him. And we see written on the side of the hammer, nice shot, enjoy your retirement. <laughs> yeah. I was so worried that was going to be a lame joke. I, but it landed. But it landed. It landed. Yes. Me too. I was worried, but oh, that's good. <laughs> we cut to Thor on his new throne at the base of Yggdrasil. I don't know that one. I just say the world tree. Okay, the world tree. Thor's palace is not golden shimmering like Odin's. Instead, it is rustic and full of wooden stone. Loki Mm -hmm. appears. Thor reaches to pick up Mjolnir and grunts when he does so. Loki asks if the hammer is getting heavier to lift. Mm. Thor, unlike that, throws Mjolnir right at Loki 
and stops it in midair right in front of Loki's face. And Loki's like, whoa, how can you do that? So cool. Power upgrade. Uh. Thor says that now he is the all-father and has even more power than ever. Mm -hmm. And Loki, don't forget that. Yep. We cut to Thor about to address the people of Asgard. And suddenly Galactus' beaten and broken body plummets onto the scene and crashes into the ground. Thor immediately leaps to attack Galactus. Galactus then says he's here for help. That only Thor can stop the Star Plague. That the Great Black Winter is coming. Mm. We cut to several weeks later. It has rained every day since Galactus has arrived. We then see Volstaff at Yggdrasil, the world tree. Volstaff I think that's right, that actually. I... Yeah, uh, yourself. Okay. I think that's it. Yeah. I think it's it. There you go. Good hey, job. Uh, <laughs> Volstagg notices that the world tree is beginning to die. Mm-hmm. We shift to Thor meeting with Galactus's heralds, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Nova, Praetor, Stardust, and Alpha Ray. Mm-hmm. Thor thanks the heralds for answering his call. Thor says that he needs to know what the great, uh, the dark winter, uh, the black winter is. Yes. Um, suddenly. We have uh, Silver Surfer entering the scene, and Surfer says the Black Winter is the one true end, that the Black Winter killed the universe before theirs, Mm -hmm. that Galactus is the only one who has ever survived the Black Winter twice. The first one, Galactus was still a man. Mm -hmm. The second time, right before Galactus crashed into Asgard, Silver Surfer reveals that there are five special planets whose rare and unique energies would give Galactus power beyond imagination. Surfer says that he's hidden this information from Galactus until now. Surfer says that Galactus is their only hope. Surfer says that they, he will be Galactus's herald for this mission. Yes. Thor then says that he will also accompany Surfer and Galactus. Mm-hmm. We cut to Thor and the heralds arriving at the location where Galactus is located. Galactus reads Surfer's mind and knows the plan. Mm-hmm. Galactus says that when you uh, face the Black Winter, you see the form of your own true death. Mm-hmm. Galactus says that he has gazed into it twice, the first when he was immortal, Galon was mm-hmm. his name. He watched his universe die before his eyes. Then Galactus saw it again just recently. Galactus says that Thor was the embodiment of Galactus's one true death. Mm. Galactus blasts Thor with a massive energy blast. Galactus says that if Thor is to be his end, then they will kill the Black Winter together. And then when they are done, Galactus wants Thor close so they may have he may have words with him. Mm-hmm. However, until then, Galactus tells Thor to rise. Galactus calls Thor his Herald of Thunder. We see Thor rising out of the smoke, and he is transformed into a new, rather bitching form of Thor. Mm-hmm. And he has both his eyes now. Yep. And both his arms again. Yep. And he's all charged up with long, flowing, blonde bitching hair. <laughs> End of issue. Steven, yes. what'd you think of Thor number one? Well, um, I gotta tell you, I thought that was awesome yeah dude this was way better than i was expecting yes this is way better than i was expecting (laughs) i did not see that i did not i didn't envision liking it this much yes i completely agree i um well following someone like jason aaron was always gonna be difficult because he he did a fantastic job for all his years on thor and um ended it really well it's like well i don't really know where you can go from here because, you know, he covered so much ground and all this kind of different oh, stuff. agreed. And then, um, I, Donny Cates did it. Yeah. He pretty much, with Thor as jacked up powerful as he is now. Yo. Um, you have to take all father powers yep. and combine them with Galactus Herald powers? Yep. What? 
Oh, gee. Because they already showed you he had a serious power-up mm-hmm. with just the all-father fa- powers when he was talking to Loki. That's right. You turn that up to, as Spinal Tap would say, 11. 11. With a little Galactus power. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, the very beginning, we're going through the, the realms and picking up energy oh. and then smashing the dragon with just one hit. Yes! So God. cool. Yeah, it really was. Um, But, yeah, it just... Oh. it. It feels like we're getting the the right continuation because it kind of feels like Aaron's in a way. It has that very kind of like heavy metal kind of. It definitely builds approach. off, off yes. what Aaron was doing mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I get kind of um, I get a little bit of that that flavor, mm-hmm. and then they add the cosmic stuff to yes. it, which just which mm. works surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. Icing on the cake. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I thought this was an awesome debut issue. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about what uh, Donny Cates does is he wastes no time. Yep. This is my pet peeve with debut issues. I think debut issues, you have to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. You got to assemble all the main characters. Yep. You got to introduce the mission statement. Mm-hmm. You got to install the main conflict, the main villain. Mm-hmm. And then you got to get your characters off and running by the end of the issue. Yes. And you got to let the reader know this is what you can expect on this title every month. Mm-hmm. you got to do this thing to make to, to get people to come back for more. That's the, those are the things that all debut issues have to do, and Case does every single one of them. Yeah. I mean, he assembles everybody yeah. that we need to know, <laughs> all the players. Yep. He introduces the, dark, the, the Black Winter, mm-hmm. which is your main conflict. Yep. And he... Gives us the power up for Thor, mm-hmm. and he gets him off to go on the mission. Yep. And he tells the reader, you can expect awesome cosmic romp with an emphasis on badass heavy metal action. Yep. It's just perfect. And on top of it, he does a great job fleshing out the new setting mm-hmm. for the new Asgard that Thor is going to inhabit. Yep. He does good world building post Jason Aaron, uh, post-War of the Realms. Mm-hmm. This is what we're dealing with now. This is Thor's world now. This is how it's constructed. This is what Asgard looks like. This is what Thor, his mindset. So damn good. Yep. And on top of it, awesome character work with Thor. Of course, Thor gets all the character work, mm-hmm. as he should. It's a Thor comic. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone else, not so much. Thor, no. he, gets, he yeah. is the <laughs> focus of all the character work, which I'm fine with. It's a number one issue. It's a new era for Thor. It's a mm-hmm. brand new stage for this character. You need to, to let the reader know, what is Thor like coming out of War Realms? Mm-hmm. What is his personality like? Where is his mind? What are his goals? What are, what are, what's driving him? Mm-hmm. And what I like is Kate's gives us, and don't get me wrong, I, I enjoyed War Realms. Uh, there had it had its problems for sure, but I mean, for the most part, it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, it's fine. It's better than a lot of Marvel big events. Oh yeah. Okay, so I I I, I found War Realms to be very entertaining with beautiful art, and mm-hmm. I was I was very happy. Yeah. And Aaron, in general, I've I've liked a lot that he's done with Thor. Mm-hmm. But what I really loved that Donny Cates brings that I think was, you know, not that the I think sometimes when you take over a title. Kind of like when a head coach takes over a sports team. Sometimes you just want to. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna change things up and instill a new my brand. Yeah. Let you know how things are gonna be different. And I think it's kind of important for the head coach or the writer of a title to say, okay, I acknowledge what's going on before. He's not ignoring what Aaron did. He's clearly building off of everything. This is very honoring Aaron's Thor Mm -hmm. run 
in the War of Realms by building off of it in a nice logical way. Mm-hmm. So he's being he's honoring the past, but he's going but Kate's wants you to know uh, my Thor's going to be different. I'm mm-hmm. going to give you my Thor. Yeah. I'm not going to give you Aaron's Thor. I'm going to give you my Thor. Mm-hmm. Kate's Thor, what I like Kate's Thor, what I like so much about it is we're not getting the joke machine. No. And I, I look, I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok as much as the last person. Okay? Sure. It entertained me. It was fluffy. Mm-hmm. It was cotton candy for my brain. I turned it off. I laughed. I laughed. I got some action, and it was over. Sure. Yay. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. It, I'm fine. And, and, and I was okay with a little bit a little bit of Thor Ragnarok showing up in the comic. Sure. But I think we ended up getting way too much of it. Mm-hmm. Way, way too much of it to the point where Thor really became just a joke machine over in Aaron's Avengers mm-hmm. to the point where he just became stupid. Yeah. Just a stupid joke machine. I don't want that. No. I like what Kate's Coates mm-hmm. gives us. It's a much uh, it's a much more interesting Thor mm-hmm. to me. He has this Thor is a badass. Yeah. Kate's Thor is a badass. He has gra- you're talking gravitas. Yeah. This character has gravitas. He feels like he is made of stone and wood. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he? Yep. I mean, this <laughs> character feels strong and powerful. Yep. And I like that he is not funny. No. And he, you get the little little moment of humor where he's like, nice shot about his shot, yeah. which that works for the character. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want him to always be and never well, crack yeah. a joke. That's mm-hmm. not fun either. But he says the one joke that was fitting because mm-hmm. he's more of like that cocky jock who just did an awesome shot. Like, see what I just did? Yeah. See what I just did? Like, that worked. <laughs> but from then, from that point on, he's very serious. Mm-hmm. Very badass. Yeah. Seems very on edge, too. Very on edge and taking no shit from nobody. Oh, yeah. And I like this, Thor. Mm-hmm. This is what I've been needing. This is the, again, not that I didn't like, but when I say palate cleanser, that usually has a negative connotation. Sure. Maybe I just need something different. <laughs> I, just need, I just want a different writer to give me something different. Yeah. That's all. That's true. And so I like when writers do that. Mm-hmm. And I think Kate's Thor is cool mm-hmm. really cool yeah and the whole thing with the, with the whole cosmic storyline with the black winter and all the heralds and galactus just this is, this is just great yes i just think it sets a i think it sets a new tone mm-hmm. for thor and a new tone for asgard and i just i like it i i think we are i think we're going to get a pretty special title i think so too i, I really think we're in in store for something really good yeah um I don't know. That's just. I, I would definitely recommend giving it a, a shot. I, I would definitely recommend. Yes. I think. I think readers who enjoyed Aaron's run on Thor will mm-hmm. still like this Thor. Yes. Because it still honors. Uh, still honors enough of what mm-hmm. Aaron did. But readers who maybe didn't like Aaron's run, mm-hmm. or maybe like didn't like the Thor Ragnarok version of Thor showing up in comics. Yeah. Those readers will also like this title. Mm-hmm. I think it'll appeal to both camps. Yeah. And hey, if you've never read Thor. I would still recommend trying it because it's cool cosmic storyline. Yeah, that I think uh, would appeal to to readers who maybe not huge about aren't huge into fantasy storylines, sure. but like cosmic storylines. Yeah, you might want to give this a try as well. Yeah, I think and I think it does. I think it does enough that if you're kind of familiar with Thor, that you won't be lost going into it. Totally agree. This is totally yeah. new reader friendly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I. I, I Thank you for pointing that out because you're right. Case gives you everything you need to know to enjoy the yep. story. He tells you in the story. Mm-hmm. He tells you. You never feel lost. This is this is absolutely super new reader friendly. Yep. Which is 
it's smart for a number one issue. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and the art I liked. Yeah. I liked the art. It wasn't as good as... Um, Russell Dowderman? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. But yeah. it was fine. I mean, it's fine. Again, it. I wish... I'd love it if Dowderman had taken it. Yeah. was the artist for the title. Sure, that would have been awesome. He would have... Matching Dowderman with Kate's story, I think, mm-hmm. would be badass. I think so. Klein's okay, though. He's okay. Yeah. He didn't, didn't wow me, but... Didn't offend me either. Yeah, the the thing with the art, they reminded me of, um, like, when you look at, like, storyboards for a movie, the ones that aren't complete, but, like, they just needed one more pass and yes. they would be done. Yes. This is kind of what it looked like. Now, that doesn't say there it didn't, you know, the cool moments didn't land right, right, right. because of it. Um, I think the one that... Like the most, the coolest one to me is Galactus falling into Asgard. I thought that was really cool. Yep. Um, but you know, I it would have been it would have been cool to have gotten like a, a um, Oliver Coipiel or yes. Asad Ribic or mm-hmm. somebody like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not can, bad. Like you said, it just no. feels like kind of incomplete. It needs in a way. to be an artist who has a little more detail to their yeah. panels and a little more of an epic vibe. Yeah, because right now it feels like it's kind of trapped like in the middle. Do we want a Russell Downerman? Do we right. want an Isad Ribic? Well, we'll just put somebody who's in the middle. Right, exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, how would you grade out Thor number one? Um, I would give, for the writing, I will give Thor number one an eight. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. V- so good. Mm-hmm. And for the art, I'll give it a six. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I'm okay with that. I will go um, I'll go a tad bit higher. I'll give the writing nine night girls out of ten. I'll give the art f- six night girls out of ten. Sure. But pretty, pretty close to what you're saying. Okay, there you go. Um, all right. Last title. Since you didn't read Hawkeye number one. No. Since you didn't read that, we, we will gloss over that. Uh, you can check out thecomicbookrevolution.com for a written review of that one. Okay. Uh, let's end this one with Star Wars number one, shall we? All right. This title brought to us by one of our favorite writers. That's right. I, I know I can... I, I, let me just tell everybody. I can tell you what Stephen thought. When I sent him the the list of titles to be reviewing, yes. I sent him Star Wars number one. And you know, I just know Stephen was like, oh... Really, I gotta read a Star Wars. Even though Stephen does not hate Star Wars, no, of course not. Um, I'm sure he's probably like, really, we're reading a Star Wars title. Come on, Marvel's given us so many Star Wars, Star Wars titles, and you notice how they're starting them all from number one again. Yep. Yeah, what a shock. Well, Anyhow, mm, surprise. But yeah. I knew that Stephen might not be so thrilled, but that was part of my plan because I knew then he'd open the comic and see Charles Soule and be like, "Wait a minute, I like Charles Soule." Everyone likes Charles Soule. You yeah. should. He's a great writer. Yeah, I got my hopes up. <laughs> Art is uh, Jesus Saiz, who I mm, like a lot. I like him, too. Colors, Jesus Saiz, and um, Arif Prianto. Mm-hmm. This issue, Stephen, it does take place r- literally at the very end of Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Very end. So we are set up in the sh- slice of Star Wars that I like the most. <laughs> the slice. <laughs> of the Star Wars timeline that appeals the most to moi mm-hmm. is this one. So I'm really happy. Yes. We have, basically, we recap the end of Empire Strikes Back. We have Luke Skywalker on the Millennium Falcon. He's all kind of shaken by the whole events. Mm-hmm. And Chewie's still pissed at Lando. And Leia's still pissed at Lando. And Lando's like, guys, what'd you expect me to do? They had my city. They had me. I've got nothing else to do. I got it's you. Darth Vader. Darth Vader, people. <laughs> come on. And, and by the way, I got you guys out. I, we, we're escaped. And yeah. we can go get Han Solo from Boba Fett. We're gonna, this is going to work out. And mm-hmm. So essentially, they're, they decide that um, first they need to 
hook up with the Rebellion and before they go after Han Solo. And Luke and Leia talk a little bit, and Luke is still shaken that Ben didn't come to him during mm-hmm. his fight with Darth Vader, and he's shaken, obviously, about the information that Darth Vader's his dad, Yeah, he feels like Ben and Yoda lied to him, and, mm-hmm. and so, you know, just a nice little moment between brother-sister. Though they don't know it Though yet. they don't know it yet. <laughs> they don't know it yet. And then our heroes blast off into hyperspace to meet up with the Rebels, and there we see the Rebels are currently fighting... With a uh, in the Imperial Star Destroyer Tarkin's will, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, there you go. and uh, the woman who is leading this uh, fleet is Commander. What is her name? Zara. 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 Yes, yeah. and she's evidently excellent with a gun because she's able to manually shoot an X-wing way far away with one of their laser cannons. Yep, getting across to you that she's a good shot. Yes. So anyhow, we have, uh, unfortunately, we have you know, some of the rebellion uh, infantry people. They don't get to do much during space battles. And they're, so they're just kind of sitting around watching it, talking about, eh, space battles suck because we don't get to do anything. Yeah. And then one, another one's like, well, no, I like it because the only time I get to relax. <laughs> anyhow, one of the infantry guys is Poe Dameron's dad. Yes. And he's watching his wife. I guess she's one of the pilots. Mm-hmm. So the Million Falcon appears in the scene. Yay, turn the tide because it looked like the Rebellion was about to get hosed by Commander Zara. Mm -hmm. Commander Zara, of course, like destroy the ship, send a bunch of TIE fighters after him. And so the Million Falcon's getting stormed by TIE fighters. Leah mans a gun. Lando's like, come on, Chewie. I've pod this before. Don't tear. You know, <laughs> let me pilot with you. Yeah. If I screw up, you can rip both my arms off. And Chewie's like, mm, just points <laughs> to the chair next to him. <laughs> and so uh, Luke goes to the bottom gun, I think. But of course, he only has one hand. So it's yes. a little hard to move the gun. And plus, mm-hmm. he's still all messed up from the whole fight with Darth Vader. He's just, he's not in it. Yeah. And so he's thinking about his dad, Darth Vader, yes. telling us his destiny. And we see all, there must be like, I don't know, like 20 TIE fighters all coming around the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. and Luke closes his eyes and suddenly all the TIE fighters just spin out of control and hit each other. Yep. That was a cool moment. <laughs> I got to admit, I was like, okay, that's cool. Y- you got me with that one. Yeah. That, that, that was cool. <laughs> Way to go, Luke. And so the Millennium Falcon then takes out the bridge on Commander Zara's, you know, her little, whatever little thing she has that's, helping them keep the blockade going whatever mm-hmm. it's destroyed yes and commander Zara's pissed rebels get away yep. she's got to call her boss darth vader <laughs> and say oh, i screwed up they got away yep. eh. and darth vader's like do not destroy the million falcon there's mm-hmm. someone i want on it you can have princess leia I don't care yep. but I, I i get luke skywalker mm-hmm. that's mine mm-hmm. And by the way, you fail me again, you're dead. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, right? And so then we get to the rendezvous point with all the rebels getting back together again. And um, it basically, they're, 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 the Empire's about to kill them all. Yes. They're, they're beaten, they're badly beaten. And, and at this point, at this point in the movie, our guys are all taking all the losses at the yes. end of Empire Strikes Back. The rebels mm-hmm. are taking one loss after the next. Mm-hmm. And that they're thinking that all the only rebels at this rendezvous point might be the only rebels left yes. in the whole galaxy now. Mm-hmm. And so that's a sobering thought for them. And then we come back to Luke, and he's with R2, and he's like, he's just you know reaching out for Ben. I need guidance. Reaching out for Yoda. I need guidance. And no one's answering him. And he's like, Rah! 
car. He gets angry and mm-hmm. breaks all the glass behind him, having like a, a rage moment. You know, the dark side. Mm-hmm. Okay, because he's still a Skywalker. That's right. And, um, you know, Luke's like, I'm not going to become a Jedi. If I'm not going to become a Jedi, what am I supposed to be? He's having, this is the big moment where Luke is really having the crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, of conscious right now is what is his destiny? What is he to be? Yes. And that's where the issue ends, mm-hmm. Stephen. Star Wars number one. What'd you think? Well, um, I thought it was okay. I, I thought, I mean, Charles Soule is obviously a very talented writer. Yep. And I think there's a lot in here that is, that is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the the character interactions. Yes, he does nail the character. Yes, does he, he not? Does. Yes. I mean, that's really good chemistry <laughs> between all the characters. I mean, you felt like you're watching the movie. Yes. Like he. Yeah, I was. I he would he agree nailed with that. it. The, mm-hmm. the interplay between Chewie and Lando, between Leia and, and Lando, Lando yeah. between Luke and Leia, <laughs> like like you got that part. Yes. Y- he got that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I I think to me the. The most interesting part to me was the stuff with Luke. Totally agree. Um, because, and and I hate saying this because I know it sounds like, you know, that, that it's affecting my judgment. But, you know, we already know how this is going to go. Ooh, yeah, yeah, sure, right. So we know he's going to figure it out. Right. But this was the stuff that I was always more interested in. Yes. Like, um, yeah. yeah. Like, what is it? And, and God knows we've seen this told at least in the the legends stuff now that disney didn't didn't keep his canon we've seen this a hundred times right like what happened after empire blah 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 Mm. blah. but um i think at least for him i think this stuff is very interesting i like that um and i also like that and i think this is being set up as something i feel like it's being set up as something that when darth vader's like no don't destroy the millennium falcon you can't do that because blah, blah, blah. I feel like that's setting up something that's going to handicap the Empire. Yes, correct. Because if the Millennium Falcon keeps coming and saving the day and they can't do anything about mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a problem. Yeah. Um, so I like that. Um, and I mean, the stuff with the characters was good. Um, and I like the the situation at the end where it's like, okay, well, they've obviously broken our codes. That's how they know where we are. Right. They broke and the, the empire's broken the rebellion's the, yes. codes. Right. And so, trying to f- wondering how they're going to come back from that is interesting because there's like a couple years between Empire and Jedi. Yeah, it was right? like three years or something. Three years, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Um, the and I like the art a lot. Yeah, art's the great. art was great. Yeah, really good. Um. So the only the only thing is that well, a lot of it is a is a space battle, and for me personally, I've never found them that well done in comics. Yeah, you know? they're hard to do in a comic. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and because there were, I mean, there there was some Star Wars comics, some Star Trek comics, and mm. none of them ever really captured that kind of movement. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And I understand, you know, it's hard to do, so I don't want to judge too harshly, but it's like most of the issue is that. It is. You're right. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm trying what else to think. There's Because it's not like... It's not like general apathy about Star Wars. It's right. It's making me feel... It's just kind of like, well... Right. Okay. 
We'll see. I'm. I mean, I'll. I'll come back and see where it goes because there's enough interesting stuff here. Agreed. That you know, I feel comfortable coming back. And mm-hmm. Charles Soule is always great. I know he's great. I'm excited to see what he wants to do with it. Right. I'm just kind of like. I'm kind of. I guess I'm just kind of done with this stuff with Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, can we just do something different? <laughs> right. 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 But I'm not going to judge like the you know the actual technicals of the uh, issue on it i'm just understood. it's just that's just my my personal thing it's just mm-hmm. like okay here we go again right right but you know it's you know it's a, it's a fine issue mm-hmm. on its own mm-hmm. it's just my it didn't affect me any kind of way personally you gotcha know? I, yeah. I, I can see that uh for me the i, I just love soul's character work so much yeah with mm-hmm. with Luke, Leia, Chewie, and Lando. Lando I, yeah. was just in heaven. I was just like a, a pig in slop. I was like, this yeah. is awesome. This is just <laughs> my happy space. And Soul does such a good job with it that I was yes. just entranced by it. I love everything about Luke Skywalker in this issue. Mm-hmm. This, to me, is why Luke is one of the more compelling characters. Yeah. To the point where maybe it makes it hard to do other things with the franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but this is what I am. This is the part of Star Wars that interests me the most. Mm. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, go. Yeah. And to me, it's really hard to rise past that. It's mm-hmm. very hard, and it's going to be a challenge to rise past that with any new set of movies. To me, that is what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Yeah. For a lot of people, certainly for me. Sure. And I find it to be extremely compelling, extremely fascinating. Luke's internal struggle has layers to it that we never got with the new movies. Yeah. At all. It's 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 just fascinating. And Soul does a great job with that. It's well paced, it's well plotted, never meanders about. Mm-hmm. Soul Soul knows how to do the technical Oh yeah. He knows the technical of part of delivering a story. Mm-hmm. Not worried about that. What I wasn't crazy about was the Wolverine effect. I like to call it the Wolverine effect. You know how like in X-Men everyone has to be related to Wolverine in some way or the other? Yeah. And it's like, no, not everyone has to be related to Wolverine. Yeah. Not all the characters mm. need to be related to characters in other timelines of Star Wars. Yeah. And when we saw Poe Dameron's dad, I was like, oh. Yeah, that didn't work for me. I'm like, I don't. I don't. I'm not feeling it. (laughs) Do we, does it, not, it, why do we have to have the same characters related to each other in every timeline? Can't, can't just. Poe Dameron exists in the future timeline, mm-hmm. and that's where he is. Of course, mm-hmm. he has parents, but I don't need to see his parents. His parents yeah. in this story. I don't need to see. We don't need to const because then it becomes the story becomes too incestuous if we're only yeah. seeing members of the same families in every timeline. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with the new movies. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to see. You know, with having the Palpatines and the Skywalker still being the yeah. focus, not. It just becomes such an incestuous story. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I guess we're only going to get the Skywalkers and the Damrons and the whatever Finn's family is. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's that's only the Calrissians. Like, no, let let each group of characters exist in their timeline. And there may be some references here and there, but I don't need the family tree lineage in every timeline. Yes. Yeah, so that was kind of like, eh, okay. Not necessarily. But other than that, I liked it. I love mm-hmm. the art. Yeah. Size is a wonderful job with the art. He makes the characters look like the characters from the movies without <laughs> making it look like he's trying to do photorealistic art. Yeah, exactly. It was really nice, though. Mm-hmm. I liked it. So anyhow. I agree. How would you grade out Star Wars number one? Um, putting my personal feelings aside, <laughs> I will give I'll give the writing a seven 
Okay. And I'll give the art a nine. Nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I will go with... Um, I'm going to go straight nine, Stephen. Okay. Straight nines for mm-hmm. the story and the art. Mm-hmm. And I would say, if you're a Star Wars fan, duh, obviously, this is well. a no-brainer. You got to read it. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah. And if you're a fan of the, if you if you prefer the uh, original Star Wars mm-hmm. to the current offering that we are getting, then for sure, go pick it up. Yeah. You'd definitely like it. All right, Stephen. That's it for this week. That's right. Good collection of comics. Yeah. Good job going so. through them. <laughs> Once again, we really didn't get we didn't get burned by anything that much this week. Nah, not really. A few a few average reads, but for the most part, uh, pretty decent week. Yeah, can't complain. All yeah, in all, mm-hmm. all in all, things things are looking up for now. For now, you it's never only know the what first the next week. What you never know what the next week will bring you. Right? That's right. <laughs> all right, Stephen. Until next time, viva la revolucion. <laughs>